a collection of everything so big it can never be catalogued or appraised, the loot of the world. You got five seconds to tell me where you buried the loot. Hello looters, welcome to episode 50 of the Movie Loot, the podcast where I talk about the best loot of films I watch every month. My name is Carlo and that's what I'm here to do. But before we get into today's loot, let's talk a bit about our previous episodes. We have our latest episode, episode 49, The Noir Loot, doing pretty well. In it, me and Dr. Richard Edwards talk about film noir, what it is, what defines it, and where did it go, where it is now. There was some great feedback I got from that episode. First of all, during the episode, I read my friend Tom's shout-out for the film Once a Thief, where he praised the use of jazz in the film. Richard went on to recommend to him Louis Malle's Elevator to the Gallows, which I was pretty sure he had seen. But anyway, Tom said, another great loot, you are correct that yes, I have seen Elevator to the Gallows. I think I've seen pretty much every film that was mentioned in this loot, all great films. You definitely need to do a deep dive on Kirk Douglas, because I praised Kirk Douglas performance in a couple of films, which I'll do, but see, I know my looters well. Thanks, Tom. I also want to thank my friend Josh at Your Next Favorite Movie Podcast, who listened to the show and said, Noir isn't really my thing, but that guest was fantastic. If he hasn't been in a documentary yet, he should. Thanks, Josh. Richard was indeed a fantastic guest. Speaking of Josh, you can also check out my guest appearance on Your Next Favorite Movie, where I talk about my favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption. And speaking of guest appearances, you can also check out my appearance in Sonic Cinema with Brian Scottle, where we talk about some of our favorite documentaries. Had a lot of fun with both Josh and Brian. Back to the movie loot, we also have episode 48, The October Loot, where I talk about all the horror and horror-adjacent films I saw in October, from stuff like Blood Red Sky, Triangle, and Coherence, to things like A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Good Night Mommy, or Crimson Peak. And finally, we also have our special episode on Alien, where I talk about one scene from that masterpiece. As for today, I'll be sharing my thoughts on some of the films I saw last month, the November loot. As you all know, I start every month with a set of random criteria to guide me on what to watch. This month, I ended up watching 12 films in total, but one of the criteria I had was to watch a film noir, since it's the theme that us cinephiles celebrate in the month. So before diving into the other criteria and categories, I'm going to start with a couple of film noirs I saw. A film noir. Sister, I've known some pretty hard cases in my time. You make them all look like putty. You're not talking about a sack of gumdrops that's going to be smashed. You're talking about a dame's life. You may think it's a funny idea for a woman with a kid to stop a bullet for you, only I'm not laughing. Where do you get off being so superior? Why shouldn't I take advantage of her? I want to live. If you had to step on someone to get something you wanted real bad, would you think twice about it? Shut up. In a pig's eye, you would. You're no different from me. Shut up! Not till I tell you something, you cheap badge pusher. When we started on this safari, you made it plenty clear I was just a job and no joy in it, remember? Yeah, and it still goes double. Okay, keep it that way. I don't care whether you dreamed up this gag or not. You're going right along with it, so don't go soft on me. Once you handed out a line about poor Forbes getting killed because it was his duty. Well, it's your duty, too, even if this dame gets murdered. You make me sick to my stomach. Well, use your own sink. And let me know when the target practice starts. The first one I saw was The Narrow Margin from 1952. 
This film follows detective Walter Brown, played by Charles McGraw, as he is assigned the duty to protect the widow of a notorious mob boss, played by Mary Windsor, who's got a prize on her head as she heads to testify before a grand jury. Obviously, things don't go as planned as they find themselves trapped in the same train with a hitman sent to take her out. This film noir was recommended by my good friend Sylvie at Sly underscore Wit. She said about it, What's to say except I love trains and I love thrillers, throw in Mary Windsor and this film is tailor-made for me. Silver Streak meets Alfred Hitchcock at his most noir. And she's right, the film is very thrilling and a lot of fun. At a time when film noir was becoming more ambitious in theme and scope, director Richard Fleischer keeps both things small and simple. The premise is just that, a cop trying to protect a woman from some hoodlums while riding a train. This simple premise, paired with a 17 minutes runtime, helped give this film a breezy flow and a very efficient execution. When I tweeted I was watching this, my friend Jake Lemberg at Spade Archer Jake said, oh, this is a good one. And afterwards, my friend Stephen Gibbons at Gibbo Anxious said, one of the more unfairly unsung film noir movies. And I agree, the thing is that this film doesn't get as mentioned as other film noir, and yet it's probably as good or maybe even better than some of the most notable. If you want to check it out, The Narrow Margin is available for rent on Apple TV, Voodoo, and other streaming services. And speaking of film noirs that are more mentioned and more well-known, but maybe not as good, I also saw 1944's Ministry of Fear from Fritz Lang. This one follows Stephen Neal, played by Ray Milan, as he is released from a mental asylum in the middle of World War II. After a seemingly innocent visit to a festival, he finds himself in the middle of a conspiracy and pursued by Nazi agents trying to capture or kill him. The thing is that I was expecting a bit more of it, especially coming from Lang. The plot is well executed, but it's fairly bland, and you kind of get the feeling that a lot of the darker elements of the story are glossed over. But despite those flaws, the film is still reliable, fun, and engaging, with some solid performances, good intrigue, and some neat, tense scenes. The third film noir I saw was a rewatch of Jack Turner's Out of the Past, but that's one I discussed in depth on my previous episode, The Noir Loot, so if you want to know my thoughts on it, check out that episode. And the last film noir I saw was one that Dr. Richard Edwards, my guest on that episode, mentioned, so I wanted to give it a shot, and it's 1950s Gone Crazy. Directed by Joseph Lewis, this film follows Bart Tarr, played by John Dahl, an ex-army man who has had an obsession with guns since he was a kid, when he meets circus sharpshooter Annie Starr, played by Peggy Cummins, the two set out on a crime spree around the nation. This one was another great choice and a perfect one to close the theme of November. Like the narrow margin, it is a very simple premise, two characters doom lovers on the run, and that love affair is perfectly acted by Dahl and Cummins, but on a technical level, the car chases men are impressive, more impressive when you realize it is a very low-budget film, and that aspect adds to the energy that the film has. That's something that Dr. Edwards brought up in his brief review of the film when we talked, so if you want to listen to his talks, then again, check out our previous episode, The Noir Loot. But anyway, that's another one definitely worth checking out. Right now, Gone Crazy is available for rent on Apple TV, Amazon, Voodoo, and many other services. Now that we got the noirs out of the way, let's talk about the other films I saw during the month. As usual, I'm going to start with my favorites, and then I'm going to give some quick talks on the others. A film from Poland. Poland celebrated its independence in November 11, so in their honor, I wanted to check a Polish film. Lots of good Twitter friends came up with lots of good recommendations, but I ended up choosing 2013's Ida, 
from Pavel Pawlikowski. Set in 1960s Poland, it follows a young aspiring Catholic nun played by Agata Chebuchowska, who has to join her only surviving relative, her alcoholic and rough aunt Wanda, played by Agata Kulesha, who used to be a communist resistance fighter on a trip into the Polish countryside to find out what happened to their family during World War II. This was also recommended by my good friend Sylvie, and damn, what a gorgeous film it is. The cinematography, the framing, and overall shot composition are so impressive, so beautiful. Beautiful in how it all transmits that lifelessness of the post-war world in which these women find themselves. Sylvie said, while Ida did win for foreign film, I really thought it should have won for cinematography over Showboat Birdman. Not only was it absolutely gorgeous, but it was a great use of camera work to mostly tell a story in the first person. And I agree, and not only is it technically impressive, but the performances by both Chebuchowska and Kulesha are wonderful. From the get-go, you see the contrast between their characters, something that goes beyond the obvious, you know, a shy and quiet aspiring nun with a former resistance fighter that has become a promiscuous alcoholic. But as the film progresses, the bonding between them is never forced, never exaggerated, but rather organic, and you can see both characters quote-unquote breaking, so to speak. Even though they are in this journey together, this is a story about personal journeys, from Ida's determination to uncover a past she doesn't know anything about, to Wanda's push to uncover a past she'd rather keep buried. It is an incredibly beautiful film in the midst of its tragedy, and one I absolutely recommend. If you want to check it out, Ida is available free on several streaming platforms, including AMC+, Tubi, Movie, DirecTV, and many others. A film from the Criterion Collection whose number includes the number 11. Vous avez l'air d'entrer avec d'elle à mon histoire quand je vous parle du rififi. Fi. Ce n'est pas un mot ordinaire, vous ne trouverez pas dans le dictionnaire. For the next category, I went with one I had been meaning to check for a while, and it's 1955 Rififi. The film is number 115 in the Criterion Collection, and is directed by Jules Dassin. It follows Tony, played by John Serve, a tough but aging criminal that sets out to commit a risky diamond theft. He is joined by his best friend Joe, played by Carl Muna, and two other friends. This is one of those films I had always heard good or great things, so it was nice to see that it really delivered the goods. It is the kind of film that, even though it features a despicable lead character, I mean, Tony is a violent, abusive, and uncharismatic son of a bitch, but you still want to see him and his friends succeed. The most impressive thing is the heist scene, which I'm sure many of you have heard about. Without spoiling anything, the scene is half an hour long and features no dialogue and no music, and it still succeeds in keeping you on the edge of your seat from start to finish. It is an impressive feat. Much like Tony, the film is a no-nonsense and violent affair, masterfully directed and full of tension. This is another one I strongly recommend. Any film that starts with the letters U or V. So you live alone? Yes. Do you think I'm pretty? Well, I go gorgeous. 
come to me. For this category, I went with 2013's Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer. This film follows an unnamed female character, played by Scarlett Johansson, as she prowls around the streets of Scotland looking for men. The reason why? I'm going to leave it for you to find out, but it's certainly not for good. When I tweeted that I was about to watch this, my friend Tyler at A Film Addicted said a sensory masterpiece. And I thought that was a perfectly accurate way to describe it because the film demands all of our senses to be alert. Glazer not only uses bizarre and unique visuals to tell the story, but the sound, the use of sound, music, ambient is definitely impressive. This is most definitely a mindfuck film. It's been about a week since I saw it and it's still on my mind. It's the kind of film that sticks with you for different reasons. And even though I'm still puzzling around its meanings and symbolisms in my head, I'm sure that I saw something great anyway. My friend Ken at InterKen said, sci-fi masterpiece. My friend Keram at K Maliki Sanchez said, under the skin is so stoic and artfully beautiful in its utterly disturbing horror. Jonathan Glazer is in a class of his own and Michael Levi's eerie esoteric score, brilliantly evocative of Ligeti, was too dark even for me to pick up on vinyl. Given all the unidentified aerial phenomena chatter, it's a must-see. My friend Phil Sagan said, loved it, best film of 2013 in my opinion. Hangry Dad at Walter Flipstick said, big fan of this incredibly weird film. And Steve Simonis said, one of the best films I've seen in recent memory. So if you want to get trippy, Under the Skin is streaming free on Fubo, Showtime, and several other services. A film from the 2010s. For this next category, I went with 2017's One Cut of the Dead. Directed by Shinichiro Ueda, the film follows a crew of filmmakers led by director Higurashi, played by Takayuki Hamatsu, tasked with shooting a zombie film while facing a series of unexpected and often hilarious constraints and problems. I don't want to give anything else away because the joy and greatness of the film is in discovering what those constraints and problems are as you watch it, but trust me, you have to be patient and stick with it through it all. My friend Josh at your next favorite movie podcast said, love one cut of the dead, once you get past the opening 30 minutes, of course. Brilliant filmmaking. My friend Jay at jrodriguez34 said, stick with it, it is amazing. My friend said, shoot the flick, said, yeah, this movie was great. Carrie at Carrie underscore HD said, such a fun ride, so many people turn it off in the first 20 to 30 minutes. And Eric Shepard said, brilliant movie. So you see, you need to stick with it to the end. I'll finish by saying that for a genre that has been as beaten to death as zombie films in the last decade, a film really needs to bring it to surprise us. Whether it is by chance or by design, this film achieves that with a unique script, clever execution, and a lot of heart. 
If you haven't heard anything about it, then give it a chance as soon as possible. One Cut of the Dead is currently streaming free on AMC Plus and Shudder. A film with the number 11 in its title. All right, are you sure? I'm sure. Okay, right here. Yeah. Right yep. there. Yes. You ready? You ready? Ow, God. Ow? Well... That's nothing compared to what it's going to feel like. Have you thought about what it's going to feel like? Sorry. It's going to hurt. Go. Ready? God damn it, I can't fucking do it. It's the worst idea you ever had. No, you have to do this. I can't do it. Because my friend, just do it. I want you to do it. Just make it quick before I think. All right. I'll do it on three, okay? Yeah. yeah. Three. Right. Three. Three. You ready? Yeah. One. Ow! Oh my god, I'm so Ow! fucking sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. Ow! For this next one, I went with a rewatch of a personal favorite, and it's 2013-11-14. That's the title of the film, 11-14. It is directed by Greg Marks, and it is an independent film that one could say it's a bit of a Pulp Fiction ripoff, one of many that came in the late 90s and early 2000s, like Go, Suicide Kings, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. It follows a wide array of characters through multiple separate storylines as they all crash and converge in weird, funny, and unexpected ways at the titular time. But even though we can dismiss it as a knockoff or copycat, I think this one's pretty good. It has a relatively strong cast with Henry Thomas, Clark Gregg, Hilary Swank, Sean Hattosi, Colin Hanks, Ben Foster, Patrick Swayze, Rachel Lee Cook, and Barbara Hershey, among many others. Some of the stories include a slightly drunk driver that crashes onto something and the cop that stops him, a trio of teenage pranksters, and two convenience store employees trying to make some money. The common denominator between them all is that all of them have the worst ideas in mind about how to get around their night. And I'm going to leave it at that because the fun is in seeing how the stories intertwine. This is a film I saw years ago, back in 2004, 2005 maybe, and I've loved it since. Seen it several times, but I really hadn't seen it in about 10 years, so I was surprised to see how well it held up. A Twitter friend, Amy, at Tulip Terrier, said, saw this at its Tiff premiere and haven't heard one single person mention it since. It's about time. Also has Swayze and a cool opening credit sequence. And I also agree with that. The opening credit sequence is pretty cool. I won't pretend this is a deep, thought-provoking film because it isn't, nor is it trying to be, but it is certainly well-written, very creative, and a lot of fun. So if you want to check it out, 1114 is available for rent on Amazon, Apple TV, and several other streaming services. So that was my November loot, or what I think were the best films I saw this month. But like I said in the opening, those were not the only ones, so I also want to touch briefly on the other films I saw this month, my minor loot, so to speak. A war film. For this category, I went with 1989's Casualties of War from Brian De Palma. This is one I had seen back when I was a teen, and even though I really didn't remember much, it stuck with me. Revisiting it this month proved that, despite some flaws, this is still a well-made and powerful film. Both Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn are effective in their roles, the film's dialogue does feel a bit forced towards the last act as it tries to hammer its themes a bit too heavily, but it is still a harrowing film that depicts the horrors of war as well as the psychological effects it has on everyone involved. 
My friend Stephen Gibbon said, high praise for casualties of war, Carlo. I also think it's great. It's probably Brian De Palma's toughest film to watch. He tells the story about an innocent getting raped as a metaphor of how America rapes countries like Vietnam. Sean Penn has been super intense in loads of films, but this is the scariest he's ever been. And my friend Hermes at Hermes Auslander said, hard to watch, but definitely well done and executed well. Not to mention the dynamic between Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox was stellar. A film with the words Black or Friday in its title. Had this category because of Black Friday and I went with one that I was dying to see and it's 2021 Black Widow. Much like a slit character who's trying to reconcile her present with her past, this is a film that's trying to reconcile and harmonize itself with what preceded it within this franchise. Even though it's set after the events of Civil War, it ended up being made and released two years after Endgame, delayed by the pandemic, hindered by its overall reception, and maybe even the whole Johansson lawsuit. My friends at Defining Disney said, we love Black Widow. Only major issue is that we should have gotten it sooner, like where it actually takes place in the can. Story still was worth telling, but Nat deserved her solo movie a long time ago, y'all. And I agree. Like they said, I wish it would have come years before. I think the effect would have been bigger. Regardless of that, the film still manages to be competently made, but a big part of that falls on the performances of pretty much everyone. I did have some issues with how the family dynamics develop, but again, the performances make it all work. Other than that, it follows the formula of most MCU films, which is to be competent enough, but not great. A film set in Egypt. King Tut Day was in November 4, so I wanted to see a film set in Egypt. And I went with 1940's The Mummy's Hand, a sort of unrelated sequel to the original Universal film. This is one that wasn't very good. The film is not much of a horror film, but rather a body comedy, which I didn't fully jive with. It takes too long to get things going, and the overall pacing and flow was too dull and lifeless. To make matters worse, there are a lot of racist stereotypes against Egyptians. Pretty much every Egyptian character you see is either a swindler or a murderer. It does pick up a bit towards the last act, but not enough to take it over the hump. So those were my thoughts on the 12 films I saw during the month of November. Now about December, final month of the year, so these are the criterias I have chosen for the month. A film with the number 12 in its title. A film that starts with the letters W, X, Y, or Z. A film from the Criterion Collection whose number includes the number 12. A film from the 2020s. A Western film. The last Best Picture winner I haven't seen. The last film from any deceased director I like, a film from Kenya, a film from Rita Moreno, and a holiday or Christmas film. If you have any recommendations for those criteria, please let me know, reach out to me on Twitter, and let me know. And now it's time for... Useless Movie Trivia. Like I said when I was talking about Rififi, the heist sequence lasts over 32 minutes without a single line of dialogue or music. Composer Georges Aurich said to director Jules Dassin that it would be a disaster to have a sequence that long without dialogue or music and insisted in writing a grand piece of music for it. He eventually did on his own and Dassin played the high scene for him twice, once with the score he had composed and once without. After that, Aurich turned to him and said, you're right, go without the music. That's how good and effective that scene is. And that's it for... Useless Movie Trivia. So that's it for our November loot. Hope you enjoyed it and that you can pick up some of this loot for yourself, some recommendations. Remember, if you want to listen more of us, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, 
Good Pods, and most of the main podcast platforms. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at TCD and the podcast at TMML2021. If you listen, leave us a review wherever you listen. Also, feel free to share the link for the podcast so more people can join us in the loot. Have a great day, everybody, and keep looting. Yes, but uh, it wasn't much fun watching him get on. He had an idea he was getting the first shot. Yes? Take off. All right. But I told you to stay in the car. I couldn't help but the copper came out then. Pass the car, go on. I will. Look behind us now, will you? Is there anything in back of us? The pickup on this thing. It's all right. You sure there's no one behind us? It's all right. Go on, keep going. Next time, stay in the car. Listen. And he won't see you. You telling me? Go on, keep going. I know what I'm doing. Look again. Did anyone make that turn behind us? No. You sure?